0: listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Do you stand with me and we are going to read from 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter seven. We're gonna read starting in verse 32. When we finish, I'm gonna say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe that's true, would you respond by saying, thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians chapter seven, verse 32 through 35. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned with about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper, so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Good morning, Story City fam, how are you guys? You guys good? Feeling all right? Awake? Sometimes the rain makes me feel a little drowsy, but I'm awake now, I'm good. My name is Samir. If I didn't have a chance to meet you, I have the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Story City. Um, I want to jump in pretty quickly into today's message uh, because it's, a, it's an exciting one. And if you just read with us, the uh, understanding of singleness and marriage and what that means and the, and the relational status uh, and what's important and what it means to us as God's people We've been in a series in 1 Corinthians, and uh, it's such a, a joy to be in because we're not skipping over the hard stuff. Um, and if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've had the opportunity for Jonathan and Chris Wozniacki to preach for us. And I just want to say really quick before I jump in, I am so grateful to the Lord for just being six months in and having a dream team with us, that, that you have men and women that love you guys well, and that serve you guys well, and that and that will commit and surrender and sacrifice their day and their time to serve you well, and I'm just grateful for that. And Josh Jedicky, who just did our hosting, was also invited recently to be a part of our elder candidacy, so there's a lot of exciting things that God is doing um, in light of the growth and, and um, the discipleship that he's doing in and through Story City Church, so I'm excited about that I just want to take a moment for that because that's important um, so 1 Corinthians Seven really dives in to this section of singleness and marriage. And I don't know about you, but growing up um, either in the church or in your family or in this culture, there are certain perceptions that both marriage and singleness have. Um, and I want to share a couple of them. And some of them are misconceptions, which means that they are not true, but some people believe they're true. Uh, and there are some realities of what it actually says in Scripture. And I want to mention some of those really quick before going into what we read and what Paul is actually trying trying to say and what God is trying to say when it comes to our relational status. Some misconceptions that you might have heard, first off, before I jump into that, just so you know... um I got married around 24 years old, um, so my marriage life as an adult has been longer than my single life as an adult, um, and so as I share about singleness and marriage, I want you to know that I'm not sharing it because I have so much experience in being single. Uh, I'm sharing it in light of what I hear God saying in his word, um, and also some of my small experiences of being single, so I just want to make sure you guys know that. I'm not trying to give one way or the other, I'm trying to help give Clarity to what God is saying. So here's some misconceptions that we've heard either you're either in church culture or in your own personal life. But when it comes to marriage, we heard things like if you don't get married, you are disobedient to God and you lose purpose in life. As an extreme, right? Like, wait, wait, what? That seems unrealistic. Or that you are more mature or more spiritual because you are married. And sometimes we hear in singleness. This misconception that there is something wrong with you if you're single. I don't know if you guys, heard. I see some smirks. Maybe you've heard that one. Or, Or you can't fulfill your purpose if you're single. Or you have less to offer, or will be less satisfied in life because you're single. See now, that's just not accurate. It's just not true. Scripture never says any of those things. God does not say any of those things. Here are some things of reality in Scripture. That marriage, actually, there is plenty of those that are disobedient and have outcomes that are harmful, and they were married. I actually have met people who are married that are actually immature, and singles that are more mature. So that's false. And singleness... The reality is, if you guys didn't know, Jesus and Paul were single. And so if you think that something might be wrong with you because you're single, then you're maybe proclaiming that something's wrong with Jesus and or Paul. And obviously that's not true. It's not true. Marriage by itself isn't a qualification for gospel ministry, so also singleness by itself isn't a hindrance towards your purpose. So whether you are single or you're married, the heart of today's passage is that both are a wonderful gift from God. Both marriage and singleness. But neither also are commanded by God, whether married or single. Let's not get in this what was called last week the if only syndrome. That if only I was married, my life would look different. That if only I was single and didn't have the distractions of marriage, I would be able to serve God this way or that way. Let's not get into the if only syndrome. I want to read a little earlier in that passage that was read today um, and, and start us off by reading this passage in 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 28. It says this, this is Paul addressing the Corinthians. It says now about virgins, and at that time, single women were considered and called virgins. Now about s- virgins, I—I'm n- uh, sorry, I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is faithful. It's pretty much saying like this is not what the Lord necessarily said, but me as a single dude, this is a suggestion that I have. Verse twenty-six. Because of the, pre- the present distress, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. So there is, there is uh, some context really quickly that he's talking about, that some, some uh, historians say that, uh, Paul is saying that there was a famine, there was something hindering the people at that time. We don't know what exactly what it was. And if you had more to take care of, more people to take care of, it was gonna be more of a hindrance for you as an individual. So, there, so there's you know, history there to understand that before we say, see, marriage is just a hindrance, right? It's not, he's not saying that directly. Okay. But the reality is is that Paul is giving clarity to something happening there where there's there's a devotion divided between single and married. That there is such worldly needs that we need to take care of as married men and women that are a little different than those that are single. But it doesn't take away from the reality of our devotion to Jesus. Whether single or married, And the if-only syndrome can only hinder us from our full and true commitment to Jesus. And so my big idea for us, and I think what Paul is trying to say to both singles and marrieds at this time, is the grass isn't greener on the other side. Our commitment to Jesus is more satisfying. The grass isn't greener on the other side. Our commitment to Jesus is more satisfying. Sam Alberry, in his book, Seven Myths About Singleness, said this. He said, the issue is not whether this path or that path is better, whether singleness or marriage would bring me more good. The issue is God and whether I will plunge myself into him, trusting him every day. And so just for clarity's sake, it might sound like I'm bashing either marriage or singleness as I am going through this passage, but I am not. I'm proclaiming and exclaiming that Jesus is better than both. I'm helping us understand that in marriage, there can be hurts and concerns and worries. And in singleness, there can be hurts, concerns, and worries. But our true life is found in our commitment to Jesus. How? How is our commitment to Jesus more satisfying? What does that mean? What does that look like? I want to give us three ways on how. The first way is that his affections are more satisfying. His affections are more satisfying. You see, in marriage, there is affection, right? There is a gift and a nearness of intimacy with, those, with the spouse that we have that God has committed us to. And it's great. And it's wonderful, but it always falls short, it always falls short. That we hurt each other, that we say harmful things, that we do harmful things, we misunderstand each other. We cannot rely on our spouse for full satisfaction in this life. If we do, first of all, we're, we're expecting something that's not possible. The reality is that the nearness and the affections of Jesus does not fall short the way our spouse might. And it brings us great joy to be near to Jesus, that he always remains faithful, always. And he heals our wounds and he never leaves us, that we can be honest and real and he won't be like, I'm out he he be there with you in the midst of your pain, of your struggle, and your hurt, and your sin. He's with you, he'll never leave you. The affections of marriage are a gift, and they are actually meant to be a reflection, a small glimpse of a reflection of the greatest affections that actually we receive in Jesus. His affections are more satisfying than that of marriage. Again, I'm not bashing marriage. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's a great thing, but it falls short of the affections we have with Jesus and the ones he has for us. And you see, in singleness, the hardship is that it can be lonely, that the affections can be empty. That it can lack a connection or an intimacy with a spouse or with someone close. But there's more time freedom to some degree, right? That I can do what I want. I don't have to worry about the we, I can just worry about me in singleness. And that I can satisfy my own desires by, by traveling more, by meeting people, by finding myself, which aren't bad things, right? Like, those aren't bad things in and of themselves. But the truth is, is that they will also fall short. They will also fall short. That without Jesus, we tend, this is true, I don't know if you know this, but if Jesus isn't there comforting us, we are hard on ourselves. We can struggle even to forgive ourselves for things that we've done, either to others or even to our own self. And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves or giving grace to ourselves when we fall short, when we think we should be somewhere that we want to be but we're not there. What happens? We, we're hard on ourselves. And we get frustrated when we aren't where we want to be in life. But the reality is, is that Jesus is always near and available to all of us. He is kind and gentle and forgives us faithfully. He is patient with us and pours out his grace on us consistently. He is so generous, even when we don't deserve it. He is generous. And he loves us no matter our shortcomings. His affections for us are so much greater and more satisfying than any relational status that we can pursue. Any. He proved it by taking the cross for us, that he loves us so much that he died for us. Jesus himself said this in John 15, 13 and 15, it's the Amplified Version, he says that there is, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment. This is Jesus speaking to his people, to his children. Listen, Jesus is speaking to you here in this passage. He says, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. You, you are my friends if you keep on doing what I command. I do not call you servants any longer. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you my friends. Because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my own father. You are his friend. You are near His affections are great and near to you. He desires you as a near friend. You see, marriage or singleness are not, are not meant to replace the affections of Jesus in our lives. If you get married, you will still have an empty part of your heart that is desired for Jesus and Jesus alone. In your singleness, that emptiness is not because you need a spouse, it's because you need deep intimacy with Jesus, the Savior of your life. He is way more satisfying, and he's even more committed to you than anyone or anything else. That's our first way of knowing that our commitment is more satisfying, that his affections are way more satisfying than singleness or marriage second way is that his purposes are more satisfying not only his affections but his purposes are more satisfying we see in the next section of that passage in verses 29 through 31 says this this is what i mean brothers and sisters the time is limited So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. He's using hyperbole. He's being exaggerating here for a purpose. I'll explain that. So he's not saying if you're married, don't act act like you're not married. He's not saying that specifically. Okay? Verse 30. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not have or own anything. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world is in its current form is passing away. He's using hyperbole. He's exaggerating. Because he's concerned for the Corinthians. See, the Corinthian church was probably the first city that was well, wealthy, that was well off, that came to know Jesus. Most other cities and most other people were were in a very poor state, in a very poor place when, when they received Jesus. Corinthian church, the city, was the first city, one of the first cities that was wealthy and had a lot and had a lot of things going for them. And he's recognizing that there is this divide, that there is this distraction of the matters of this world and this earth that's keeping them from their devotion to Jesus. So he's using these these terms like, act like that ain't happening because you need to be committed, you need to be focused. This world is limited, this time is coming, it's short. Jesus is coming back. He had concerns of how they were pleasing others and, and how they were, they were buying things and, and trying to do the best things for, for the sake of getting status from their city, having the highest status and, and knowing that others are gonna see them as like, wow, look at them. They're married, they take care of each other, they have money, they have that new car in front of the house, whatever that may be, right? They're they trying to build a status quo that the city's expecting from them. And so Paul is giving them this understanding. They're trying so much to conform to the ways of their city, to gain all of its purposes of fame, of of satisfaction. Paul then says, this world in its current form is passing away. Don't forget. All that stuff is meaningless. Because all that stuff is passing away. Don't be too distracted by it. How easy is it to forget? See, Corinth isn't much different than us today. Right? It's not much different. This idea of the American dream that we are on, that that keeping up with the Joneses and pursuing the nice house, the nice car, the better job, more money, more comfort, is a distraction. See now, I'm not saying that these things are bad and that we shouldn't pursue them and that we shouldn't desire them. I'm not saying that, because Paul's not saying that they are sin. He's saying that they're a divided distraction of devotion that keep you from Jesus. The purposes of Him. The issue is that the purpose of all this is in vain. The purpose of all these pursuits, the purpose of trying to please Him and her in that way and this way, it's all futile. It all falls short. It all passes away. It comes to an end very soon. It simply distracts us from the greatest purpose, which is the mission that we have, the privilege to take part in, that is the most satisfying. The mission of Jesus, the proclamation of his goodness, his love, his affections, him dying for us and committing his life for us so that we can have a life to the full and full of abundance for life and and forever and forever and forever, for all eternity, not just for this temporary moment. Time is limited. Are we immersing ourselves in trivial pursuits, and then before we know it, we are on our deathbeds? Or Jesus is blowing the horn, or the angels are blowing the horn, and he's returning, which I can't wait for. Right? Come, Jesus. But in the meantime, where is our attention? Where is our purpose lied? So whether married or single, the question isn't, how do I completely stop? pursuing these things that I'm pursuing or sell everything that I have and commit it all to, to serving Jesus or, or break up all these relationships that are a distraction. That's not what we're saying. That is not what we want you to do. What we're saying is, what Paul is saying here is, is the question really is, how is the Lord redeeming my singleness, my marriage, all my pursuits and my possessions to align with his greatest purpose and mission? That's the question. What am I doing? Are you asking yourself that? Are we asking ourselves that? How are my, my marriage, my singleness, my pursuits, my work, my possessions, whatever it may be, how are they being aligned with the purposes of Jesus in my life? How can I spend my extra time as a single dude or dudette, right? pursuing, building good healthy habits and drawing near and abiding in Jesus. That's a question that we should ask. Is my time being spent on mission and being more intentional in my singleness? Or how can I reflect the good news of Jesus in my struggling marriage and reflect his grace, forgiveness, and healing to to my children and to the community around me? This is not easy. It takes work, it takes surrender, it takes community, it takes the body of Christ to come alongside us for that to be a possible thing. That's why it's being on mission. That's why Jesus gave us the body. That's why Jesus gave us the church. And some of you guys can be a testament of that. I know I have. Or how can my pursuits at work and my finances be redeemed for the sake of advancing the gospel? What does that look like? How do I shift that? How do I adjust that a little bit, you know? It's not that it's gotta be super extreme all the way and, and it not be a realist, realistic and sustainable long term. It's, it's how do I do that in increments? The reality is it's this idea of as you are going, as we are going, we are living on mission for Jesus. As I am going in my marriage, I am learning to love my wife better, and my children, and reflecting Jesus in these ways. In my singleness, I'm learning to have healthier habits so that I'm not just playing video games all day. I've been there. Sometimes, it happens now. <laughs> and my wife's like, what's going on? That's why you, you have a day off. I'm like, oh my bad still learning, right? I'm still growing. But as we are going, we are drawing our near, the nearness to, to our purpose, which is the mission of Jesus in our life. It is so much more satisfying. It is not in vain. There is purpose, there is intent. Not that it's easy or that it's super good and that it feels good all the time, no, but that it has greater purpose and satisfaction. our affections for Jesus, his affections for us are, are more satisfying. His purposes are more satisfying. And third way is that his concerns are more satisfying. His concerns are more satisfying. Hey, there's concerns in this world. Right? Paul, that's what he's talking about. He's like, you're, you're distracted by all these concerns of marriage, of your of your family, of your job, of your things and what's going on. He says it, we'll read it one more time that we read earlier that Josh read, 32 through 35. He says, I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please the Lord, of the Lord. Yes, sorry if I messed that up. But the the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman, or virgin, is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I am saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper, and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. He's not trying to put a restraint on you. He's trying to show you the commitment that is proper, which is devotion to the Lord. That's what he's saying here? Paul is concerned about their concerns. That's what's happening. Their divided interest. He is giving the example and the illustration that happens within marriage. But this idea of divided attention, this idea of concern and worry is not a new one or is not unique to Paul. Jesus actually teaches this in the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches this in Matthew six. He talks about worry. That same word that Paul is using in the Greek for, for uh, concern is the same word that Jesus is using in Matthew six for worry. The same exact word, which is marry now. Hope I say that right. In the Greek, which which means to be anxious or to be concerned of or to care for. That's a big deal. Because these earthly concerns and or worries and the marinau are what Paul describes in verses 35 as distractions to our devotion to Jesus. And in Matthew 6, we see Jesus addressing these concerns and telling his followers not to worry. Not to worry. It's so easy easy for Jesus to say, right? Don't worry. But to concern themselves with with his concerns. To concern themselves with his concerns worries, and we will provide, and then he will then provide for us what we need. Let me read that for us really quickly. Matthew 6, 25 through 26, and then 32 through 33. This is Jesus, and he's using the same word that Paul uses, or really what Paul, Paul's using the same word that Jesus is using here, starting at verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, he's talking to the crowd, he's preaching, he says, don't worry about your life. Oh, Jesus, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky, they don't sow or reap or gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Jump down to verse 32, He says, For the Gentiles, he's at that time non-believers, those that are of the world, they eagerly seek all these things to pursue, the, all the things that they, he's talking about. He says, and then And your earthly father, I'm sorry, your heavenly father, knows that you need them. This is the key. This is his concern right here, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Seek first my concerns, the kingdom of God. And all these other concerns that you might have, I will provide for you. I got you. So, whatever your current concerns are in this world, whether single, married, parenting, A place to live, money, clothes, work, status, whatever it may be. What concerns you might have. Jesus is saying, when we allow our concerns to be aligned with his heart and his concerns, which is the kingdom of God, then all your earthly concerns will be taken care of. See, I'm not saying this. This is not me. Like, I'm not the one saying that, hey guys, just... Let's, let's figure this out. Let's try to align our concerns with Jesus. And he'll, he'll, he'll take care of us. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, this is what Jesus is saying. His words. He said this. He says, if you keep your eyes and your heart and your focus on my concerns, the kingdom of God, I will take care of you. I will watch over you. And maybe some of us are like, sometimes they don't feel like that, God. Sometimes I don't know if that's true. You know what, those are statements and prayers that are said in scripture also, by prophets, by those that follow him. So you're not alone, you're not alone in your concern of that. But Jesus is committed to you. Those moments of unknown, those moments of I don't believe this right now, are not in vain. The Lord is shaping and building and chiseling you, and chiseling us. To trust in Him, to believe that His concerns are better than ours, are more satisfying than our own. His concerns are for His glory and for our good, that He's the King. His outcome is so much better. So, my question is who are you chasing? Who are you chasing? Chasing your spouse? Chasing a spouse, or finding a spouse, or are we chasing the king of kings that is more satisfying, that satisfies our affections, that satisfies our purposes, that satisfies our concerns, that he is so much better than all of those things. Now I'm telling you right now, the reality is, is that I have a hard time loving my wife showing her affection, showing her purpose, showing her um, the concerns of the Lord and the concerns that I have for her when I am not near to Jesus. I have a hard time loving her well. It's just the reality. It's my brokenness, it's my sin, it's my, it's my faulty, it's, it's the way I tend to go, and the reality is the distractions of this world can keep me from the way I love God and ultimately then reflects on how I love my wife and my kids and my family and those around me so my affections for him are so much greater. Which means that I can't also idolize my spouse. I can't also idolize my kids. I can't idolize the American dream because then that's the distraction from the true state, the true glory, the true understanding of who I am and why I exist in the affections of Jesus. Devotion to the Lord that is undivided is what we hope to provide here at Story City Church. Like We desire to help create avenues for all of us as God's people to help us live in deep devotion and create healthy rhythms of life that bring us to the feet of Jesus in adoration and abiding to him. This is why we do what we do. This is why we exist. This is why we're here. This is why we have these these rhythms of of discipleship. This is why we preach on Sundays. This is why we have consider meetings that we have in a couple weeks so that we can help guide every single one of us to the feet of Jesus and that our devotion will not be distracted, that our devotion and abiding in Jesus can be clear no matter what our relational status is, that they are both a gift, whether single or married, they are a gift to the Lord. They are a gift to the people around you. They're a gift to you. And the question is, let's align, are we aligning our hearts and our ways and our life in line with him, with his purpose, with his affection, and with his concerns? I just want to close with, with this, um, just invite into this relationship with Jesus. If you do not have a relationship with him, or if you're unknowing, or if you don't know, if you're, if you're concerned of, of whether or not this is all true, and you feel a tug in your heart, and you feel the Lord stirring in you, like, man, that sounds amazing, that sounds like a relationship I want to be a part of, then this is a tug, maybe the Lord is speaking and wanting you to draw near to him as he is pulling himself near to you. I want to give you an opportunity we would love to pray for you. We would love to be with you. We would love to hear from you. Or if you're a person that maybe is feeling compelled at the moment that you feel, man, I really want to renew my commitment to Jesus because I feels like it's been so distant. I feel like I've distanced myself because of this lack of devotion to him, because of these distractions in my life. If that's you, we would love to pray for you. We love to be with you. We love to, to help draw near to you in the ways that Jesus is drawing near to you, not for our sake, but for the sake of helping you see Jesus more beautifully. There's a couple ways to do that. And and that's what those those cards are for. Those cards are not just a thing that like churches do and, and then we're like, hey, this is what I see them do, so we're just gonna do that. Like this is a way where we want to streamline the best possible way to get closer and to connect and to get to know you. And we know we live in a society where where we kinda wanna do our own thing. And everyone wants to like, don't bother me. So we're like, hey, let's make it as unthreatening as possible. Let's put a little card there. And if they want to connect, they'll connect. Like there's purpose for everything that we do, but if you want to do it that way, we'd love to connect with you. Just just get Scan the QR code of Engage. Let us know you want to speak to an elder or pastor. You want a prayer. You want to get baptized. Whatever it might be. Or you just need prayer. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to be with you. Or right now, in this moment, we're going to, in a moment, I have prayer leaders on the sides. If you need prayer right now, we'd love to pray with you. It's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a time where it's not going to be shared with anybody. It's going to be between you and that person. If you just need prayer between you and the Lord, we'd love to pray for you as well. It's a moment for you to come to the feet of Jesus. I want to pray for us um, and and close our time, and then we're going to have a time of communion. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the greatest lover of our lives. You are the one, the only one, that satisfies our soul, our heart, our mind, our soul, everything, Lord. You are our satisfaction. Help us to realign our hearts with you, realign our understanding of who we are to you, Jesus. Our affections, that we are pursuing affection with others, which aren't bad, but if they are replacing affections for you, Jesus, will you convict us? Will you rebuke us? Will you draw us near to yourself? Because your affections are so much greater, Lord, and in, in our, in our purposes and our concerns, Lord, may they be aligned with you. Lord, we thank you, and as we go into a time of communion, will you, God, be the heartbeat, the soul, the centerpiece, and, and our commitment will be surrendered and that we don't go to the table of communion in vain, that we go in knowing that we are confessing our sin and our need for you. We're confessing our purposes, that, that we want to put what we want aside, and we want what you want in the forefront, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com Go and be the church.